In Psalms chapter 11, verse 3, it says, if the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? See, foundations are so important to your life. If, if you don't understand these foundations of kingdom living, it's going to cause everything that you build in your life to be on shaky, on shaky ground. And the larger your foundation, the larger your life can be. The larger the structure. You can never have a structure larger than its foundation. Do you know that? And you can't, you can't just build it any haphazardly way. Because if, you, if the foundation is not secure, then the whole structure is in, um, can, can, can come tumbling down. And we've been looking at these, these spiritual foundations of the kingdom and we looked at understanding God's love for you. That's number one. You have, you have to understand how much God loves you. And not only loves you now that you're a Christian, but loved you when you were his enemy. See, the Christian life is not, is not about, what Jesus revealed about Christ, the Christian life is not about us trying to love God. That's religion. That's man-made religion. That's the law. The sum total of the law was to love the Lord thy God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your strength, right? How many of you do it? None of us did it. But Jesus Christ, the true Israelite, came and he did it. He loved God with all his mind, with all his strength, with all his, his heart. And he loved his neighbor as himself. He loved us, us, his neighbors, so much that he laid down his life for us all. He fulfilled the law to reveal the Father's love for us. And you know what? This funny thing that happens is that when you start understanding how much God truly loves you, here's the strange thing that happens. You find yourself loving God more than you ever did in your life. You find yourself loving your neighbors more than you've ever done in your life. Why? Because it's no longer based on your human love, but it's based on the agape love of God that lives within you that you've received from him. I can't preach that all over again, but it was good. Understanding your spiritual makeup. You are a spirit who has a soul that lives in a body. You have to understand that, and you have to understand what was changed, what was supernaturally, miraculously changed when you became born again. Was it your body? No. I still had my stomach. Well, back then, I didn't have a stomach then. But I still looked the same. My hair was the same. Everything was the same when I looked in the mirror. What, was, it, was it my soul? No. I still had these emotions. I still had these thought patterns. I still, you know, I wasn't any smarter for sure than I, than I was before. And, and that didn't change either. What changed was my spirit man. My spirit man that was dead to, in sin became alive into Christ Jesus. And the more that I can draw from the knowledge and the power that is in my spirit and get it over into my mind and my will and my emotions, then it transforms everything in my, in my life. And, and then understanding how God sees you. God sees you in Christ. He doesn't see you in sin anymore. Right? Un understanding your identity in Christ. See, not only does you have to understand how God sees you, but now you have to start seeing yourself 
in Christ and your identity in Christ. I mean, these are so good. We should go back and preach them over, I think. Um, understanding the true nature of God. My goodness, religion has screwed up that topic tremendously. God's true nature. God's true nature is not what we read in the Old Testament. The Old Testament, the law, the shortest period in the, in the Bible. Grace was before the law, grace was after the law. The shortest, shortest period in the Bible, that's what people go back to see what God was like. That was not what God was like. That was how God had to be under the covenant of the law. And the law was unbending. It was stone. It was unbreakable. And God was righteous. And you can't be righteous, a righteous judge of the law and have mercy and grace. But you know what I love about God? He did sneak it in there. How? He added to the law sacrifices. He added sacrifices. So as long as Israel was sacrificing for their sins, there was a covering. And this all was a beautiful picture of Jesus coming. And Jesus is the true representation of the Father. Jesus, if you, Jesus says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So if you want to know the true nature of God, you have to look at Jesus. And I've said this over and over again, but you need to hear it again is that if your God, what you think about, when you think about God, when someone says something about God, when you think about, let's go into the presence of God, if your picture of God does not look like Jesus Christ, you are worshiping a false God. And then understanding your spiritual authority. That's what we're going in this week to close out these spiritual foundations. Understanding your spiritual authority. Now, when we get into spiritual authority, when we get into spiritual things, um, especially in charismatic Pentecostal, full gospel, word of faith, whatever you want to call, it, call yourself, they get a little fruity. They get, actually what the Bible term would be is superstitious. You know, there, there, there's some people that believe that the devil is behind every door. And they actually, the, the way that they believe about spiritual things, they empower the kingdom of darkness in their life. You know, you know when I was growing up, it was, it was rock and roll music when you played the records backwards. That it was demonic. First of all, I didn't know anyone that had a record player that went backwards. I don't know. You know, it, it, and then it's, it's Harry Potter, and they talk about pentagrams. And, and now the big thing is, you see on social media, the monster energy drink. You know, the, the symbol of the, the logo on the monster is the, the uh, Hebrew letters for 666. And then it says, unleash the beast. And that has no power whatsoever. Unless you give it power. And the church does an awesome job at giving the enemy power. You know, I, I have no problem. I could stand right here in the middle of a pentagram with backwards rock and roll music playing in the background with a monster energy drink right here, maybe even petting a black cat and preach the gospel and expect people to get saved, pray for the sick and expect them to get healed. Why? Because they're powerless over the kingdom of God. 
So we can't get fruity on all that stuff. Do people yield to those things? Do people invite those things? Do they try to use those things? Yes, they do. But when it comes to the born-again believer, we laugh at those things. It's foolishness and ignorance. Amen? So part one of this teaching, part one of this teaching is meant to wake us up to what's going on in the world around you. See, a lot of times when we, we talk about spiritual things, we talk about authority. You know, we're, we, 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 we're, we're teaching people, you need to pull down strongholds over nations and pull down strongholds over the world and, and over Hollywood and all these things and just pray, pray that these, these kingdom forces of darkness would just be pulled down. And you know what? Until we kick the devil out of our own homes... There's no sense of talking about the principalities over nations. You know? Until we're walking in freedom. There's no sense of talking about what's going on in the world when our own spheres are being manipulated and controlled by the kingdom of darkness. So this first this first opening is to just wake us up a little bit. Because unfortunately, most Christians have a humanistic view of life. Christians are humanistic. What is humanistic? What does, it, what does a humanistic view of life mean? It means you go through life living and not acknowledging the existence of God. See, a lot of Christians are Sunday morning believers, but Monday morning atheists. See, they, they go through life thinking that everything that happens in their life is just natural and it just have, has physical causes. They are, they are totally ignorant to the realm of the spirit that created everything that is physical. So what is greater, the created or the uncreated? The created or the creator? The creator, the, the uncreated is greater than its creation. The physical realm is created. And we go through thinking life is all about just what happens what in, in the physical realm. But there's a whole realm that, that is unseen to our natural eyes that are manipulating, controlling, and trying to influence this world. Many are unconscious to the spiritual dynamics behind what is happening in the physical realm. They look only at a surface level and don't realize the spiritual realm that is behind it all. But the word of God reveals that we are in a spiritual battle. battle. Every day, two kingdoms are battling for the heart of each individual person, society, nation, and the world as a whole. Every day, every day, the Holy Spirit is convicting us of our righteousness in Christ Jesus. Do you know that? Every day, there, there's a spiritual influence from God through the Holy Spirit to convict you that you are righteous in Christ Jesus. Every day, he, he's convicting you of your new creation realities that we've been studying throughout this whole summer. He's trying to convict you on the truth of who God is in your life. Holy Spirit is working in our spirits to influence us to live from the inside out not allowing our emotions or circumstances to have dominion or control over us. 
What does the world teach, though? That your emotions are the most important thing. Your feelings, how you feel, is the most important thing in life. How you feel is how you are. No, it isn't. No, it is not. Holy Spirit is teaching us to live by faith in our identity, in the fruit of the Spirit, in the power of His might, so that God's blessing would be manifest in our lives. And when God's blessing is manifest in our lives, it's manifested in the earth. And a little piece of heaven comes. And that was Jesus' prayer. You're answering Jesus' prayer when you allow God's, God's presence to be manifested in your life, God's blessings to be manifested in your life. You're answering Jesus' pr prayer when He said, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. How many of you want to be an answer to Jesus' prayer? Amen. But at the same time, as the Holy Spirit is influencing us, Satan, our defeated foe, is working to draw our attention away, to become self-dependent, to live carnally, controlled only by what we can see, hear, touch, and taste, smell, and feel. The enemy of our souls is looking to bring about his destruction, looking to rob, kill, and destroy. This is nothing new. This tension between these two kingdoms have been in motion from the very beginning of humanity. In Genesis chapter 3, verse 1, it says, Now the serpent was more cunning than all the beasts of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. And we all know Genesis chapter 3, it's always entitled The Fall of Man. You know what? I'm an optimist. I don't think it should be called The Fall of Man. I, I think it should be called The Beginning of the Gospel. Right? Because right in Genesis 3, God says, I'm sending one from the seed of the woman that's going to crush that old serpent's head. Amen. And he's done it. Verse 4, Then the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. For God knows that in the day that you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes, again, what is it? What they can see, what they can taste, what they feel, that it was pleasant to the eyes and the tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. I, there's so much in this, and I'm going to really try to stick to my notes. But like Adam and Eve, we have all chosen our own ways in life. We've all chosen our own ways, rather than God's way. Doubting in our hearts that God is good and wants the best for us, choosing the lie over truth, death over life, and bondage over liberty. Because sin is slavery. It is bondage. This spiritual warfare, this is spiritual warfare. Do you understand that? Spiritual warfare happens in your mind. That debate in your mind 
well, God, I know that I'm supposed to do this, but my flesh wants to do this, or the world's saying to do this, or it's no big deal. Where we choose our way above God's way. But the good news is, is that we and all of humanity has failed when it comes to that choice between God's way and our way. Jesus Christ has conquered, and in him we are more than conquerors. Jesus Christ has conquered, and in him we are more than conquerors. You're more than a conqueror. You know what that means? We have no idea. We have no idea what that, that means. We, we heard a great, we heard great, great illustration on what it means to be more than a conqueror. How many of you ever watched Rocky? Some of you got to go out and watch the movies. If you haven't seen Rocky, you're an American. I don't know. Rocky Balboa, he's a boxer, right? And he's training. He's, he, he's, he's going for the heavyweight champion of the world. And he's been training. He's been boxing. He's been doing all these things, chasing chickens. If you haven't watched the movie, that's too bad. Chasing chickens. He's been doing all these things. The night of the fight, the, the arena's filled, and he gets in that ring to box Apollo Creed. Let's do Rocky too, because that's the one where it's not a draw. He wins. And he's fighting Apollo Creed. And it's going round after round. Their eyes are swelling up. They're sweating. They're tired. Blood, spit, all of this stuff. Cut me, Mike, or Mickey. Cut me, Mickey. Because he can't see out of his eye. And they fight. And he finally, he throws a blow and knocks Apollo Creed out and wins and becomes the heavyweight champion of the world. And he yells out, Adrian! Right? So he's the champion. He's the conqueror. He conquered. So what does it mean to be more than a conqueror? Well, going to Rocky Three. It shows, it starts out with this huge mansion. And here comes Adrian with a fur coat on and getting in fancy cars and everything. See, Rocky, he was a conqueror. But Adrian was more than a conqueror. Because she reaped all the benefits and never had to fight the battle. Never had to get bloody. Didn't even have to train. See, you're more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. Jesus fought the battle for you. We reap the inheritance. See, Adam and Eve failed to keep fellowship with God. And they embraced the lie of the serpent. See, this is so important. Some of you guys are thinking, you know, I've heard this story over and over again. I've heard the fall over and over again. Yeah, but it happens every day in your life. Every day in your life, you are choosing to believe a lie. Every day of your life, you are choosing to embrace a lie rather than keep fellowship with God. God's never going to leave you. He's never going to forsake you, but we leave him and forsake him very often. He is faithful, even when we're not faithful. Thank God. 
Whatever you fellowship, listen to this, whatever you fellowship with is what will manifest in your life. Proverbs 23, 7 says, from the heart flow all the issues of life. Whatever you are intimate with, whatever you fellowship with, whatever is in your hearts in abundance, your entire life will flow. All your circumstances, everything that happens in your life comes from within. See, it's not with, what's without that contaminates a person, but what's within a person that contaminates a person. Your, your environment cannot control you, but you, by controlling your innermost man, can control your environments. If you fellowship with fear, strife, anger, unbelief, self-centeredness, envy, lust, malice, that is what's going to flow from the inside of you and create the atmosphere in which you live. Do you understand that? I'm not saying you're not going to heaven. I'm saying that you're going to live hell on earth. You're going to get the opportunity for the Satan to rob, kill, and destroy. You're going to get the opportunity for him to bring condemnation and guilt in, to, to, bring, to bring doubt in. So that you cannot live by faith. It's not that we doubt God. We doubt us. We doubt God's willingness to do for us because we base our belief system on do good, get good, do bad, get beat. You understand that? That's why this is the last one because you have to understand everything else we taught if you're going to live a life of spiritual authority. Because it's not based on you. It's based on God. It's based on Jesus. And evil, all evil, perversion, and rebellion against God in this world is not produced on the outside first. It's not produced on the outside of us. Do you understand that? But from within. Everything that is evil that has happened in this earth first started within a person. It happens from within, for as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. In James chapter 3, verse 14, it says, but if you, but if you have, he's, he's writing to believers here, but if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. This wisdom does not descend from above, but it is earthly, sensual, demonic. It's interesting. He didn't say pentagrams. He didn't say monster energy drinks or backward playing music. He's saying envy. He's saying self-seeking. For where there is envy and self, where, where for where envy and self-seeking exists, confusion and every evil thing are there. Wow. I, does this describe the atmosphere of some people's homes? Is there envy and self-seeking against husband and wife? Is there self-seeking against parents and children? Is there confusion? Is there every evil thing? 
How about the atmosphere in people's cars on the way to church this Sunday morning? Not yours. I'm not talking about you guys. I'm talking about other people. You know? Or does this describe your atmosphere? Let's go look at the next verse. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. What atmosphere describes our homes? What atmosphere describes our presence in the workplace? What atmosphere describes our churches? What atmosphere describes our car rides? See, you are, you are an atmosphere creator. You have spiritual significance in the earth. Most people, even Christians, don't realize or recognize the battle being waged all around them every day. There's a study, and I shared it with you guys, you know, maybe a half a year back on some messages. I forget the name of the, the, the college and all that, but I can look it up if I had to. But what they did, it was a simple, simple thing. They got like, 40 people, they put them in a room. 20, or 20 of the people, they interviewed them, and they were happy, go lucky, no issues, just life was good. The other 20 people were all irritable, angry, and upset. And they all put them in one room, and they didn't allow anybody to talk to anybody. And then after a certain amount of period, they brought them all out and interviewed them. And they interviewed them, and what they found out was that the people that were angry, irritable, and upset when they went into the study, when they came out, they still were. And those that were happy, no, no issues in life, came out, and they, they marked more irritable, more angry, and more upset than when they went in. See, you can create atmospheres. Whoever has the, the, the most powerful atmosphere creates the mood of the room. It's true. It's true. I've gone into people's homes before, and I thought, man, oh, man, something. They just got in an argument before we got here. You feel it. You feel atmospheres of churches when you go in. There, there's some churches you just, we've had people say it here, and I'm proud to say it, that as soon as they walk in, they, they felt God was here before they even talked to anybody. We create atmospheres. Have you ever noticed that you're happy, you're joyful, and then you run into someone that's angry and upset, and because we don't understand that it's up to us to create the atmosphere. We let them influence our atmosphere instead of allowing our atmosphere to influence them. 
That's why it's so it's dangerous to who you let your kids hang out with. Because a lot of times our kids aren't strong enough to go into an atmosphere and change it. Because they don't even understand the spiritual dynamics behind it. And they come back from a friend's house and they come back and they're angry and mad and upset. And they don't even know why. It's because that atmosphere contaminated them. It's spiritual. Where there's strife, where there's envy, there's confusion in every evil thing. And what happens is, is we allow people that are upset, angry, we, we shrink back in those, those moments. That's when we need to be most joyful. That's when we need to increase our joy. Incre come at them just as hard with joy and the fruit of the Spirit as they're coming at you with anger. Shift the atmospheres. Most are clueless to the spiritual significance of our choices, our words, and our actions. In Romans chapter 8, verse 16, it says, Do you not know that whom to you you present yourselves slaves to obey, you are that one slave whom you obey, whether to, of sin leading to death or obedience leading to righteousness. He's talking to believers here. He's talking about born-again believers. When we obey sin, we are literally yielding ourselves to Satan, the author of that sin. Notice the use here of the personal pronoun, whom. It's not a thing, it's a whom. We're yielding to sin. Yielding to sin is yielding to a person. And that person is Satan. You understand that? Our actions release in our lives either the power of Satan or the power of God. Even though God is not imputing our sins to us because we are in Christ Jesus, because of our positioning, because of our baptism into Christ, still we can't afford to play with sin because it allows Satan to have access into our life. Like I said, you might not be going to hell, but you'll experience it. If we do sin and allow the devil opportunity to produce his death in our lives, then the way we stop this is to confess our sins. And God is faithful and just to forgive our sins because that forgiveness is already in us. It's present in our born-again spirits, and he releases it into our flesh, removing Satan and his strongholds. By faith, you proclaim who you are in Christ Jesus and that what you have done is wrong. And by faith, that stops Satan's inroads into your life. That's why repentance is not about coming up, crying and bawling and begging God forgiveness. No, it's enforcing, it's spiritual authority, it's enforcing what Jesus Christ has already did. You're enforcing it in your life. Paul used the word slaves twice in this verse, and you present yourself a slave. You're presenting yourself a slave. You've been freed, you've been liberated in Christ Jesus, but when you sin, you yield to Satan, and you present yourself as a slave. 
not taken as a slave. Do you understand that? It's not that Satan has taken you by force and made you a slave. You literally submit and put yourself in servitude to him. We yield, we, are willing, we willingly give ourselves over to slavery. Paul was not speaking of an infrequent error on our part. He was talking about a submitted condition where one gives himself up wholly to another's will. So Paul was stating that those who ab abandon themselves to sin are in, in actuality becoming slaves to the devil, even if they're born again. While those who obey righteousness are actually yielding themselves to the Lord. In life, our choices, our words, our actions are either yielding to God and releasing his power to bring blessing in our lives and into the earth, or we're yielding to Satan and releasing sin and death into our lives and into the world. Do you understand that? Why do bad things happen in life? Because of us. Because of us. We're either, you're either releasing life or you're releasing death. There is no middle ground. You're either yielding to God in your life or you're yielding to the devil. There is no middle ground. And you can yield to God in some areas of your life, but yield to the devil in some other areas of your life. Romans chapter 6, verse 12. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in its lusts. And do not present your members. See, you're presenting your members as instruments. That word instruments is actually weapons. Do not present your members as weapons of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourself to God and being alive from the dead and your members as weapons, instruments of righteousness to God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace. You need to understand this. What you need to understand is that Satan has no power over you whatsoever. He has no power over you outside your free will to give it to him. He's a defeated foe. We don't even need to fear him. Actually, is it in the, oh shoot. It's in Isaiah or Ezekiel. It says that basically when we see him that, that wreaked havoc on the nations, we will say, this is him? Satan is a defeated foe. Do not empower him. Do not be... Um, What's it called? Superstitious. Do not be superstitious. He, he, you, Satan can't make you do anything. What do you mean, Chad? I do lots of things that I don't want to do. <laughs> That's the lie of the devil. You, yeah, the devil is a liar. You might believe that you don't want to do it, but if you didn't want to do it, guess what? You wouldn't do it. So many people think, they try to say, 
I really don't want this habitual sin in my life. The Bible says you've been freed from sin. The truth of the matter is, is you don't like the way that the habitual sin makes you feel. You don't like the, 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 you don't like the consequences of your habitual sin. You don't like how it destroys your relationships with people. You don't like how it makes other people see you. You don't like how it brings guilt and condemnation in your life. But you like the sin. Satan has no power over you outside your will. You might have been deceived and believed that you do not have control, but that is not what the Bible teaches whatsoever. This is a deception, and Satan uses this deception to his advantage. In James 4, 7, it says, Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. He says, gives us a command. We are to what? Submit to God. If you are unable to submit to God, it would be wrong for God to command you to submit. It's still an act of free will. He's saying, submit to me, and then that will cause you to resist the devil, and when you resist the devil, he will flee from you. You know what? When people come to me and say, oh, the devil's just wreaking havoc in my life. Well, it sounds like you're not submitting to God. Because if you were submitting to God, the devil will flee. This isn't rocket scientists. Science. Scientists. I can't speak. When you submit to God and resist the devil, he will flee. Ignorance is not bliss. Ignorance is not bliss. Just because you are passive doesn't change the fact that the enemy is not on the attack. It simply means that you're losing. It doesn't change that you're in a battle, that all humanity, believers and unbelievers, all humanity are in a spiritual battle. Satan is beating you in any area of your life that you are not actively submitting to God and resisting the devil. Do you understand that? Satan, Satan is beating you in any area where you're not actively submitting to the will of God in your life and resisting him. You cannot submit to God without automatically resisting the devil. And if you are submitting to the devil, you are resisting God. You understand that? It's the same thing. You submit to God, you resist the devil. If you start submitting to the devil in your life, guess what? You're resisting God. And if you're resisting God, how can his blessings flow? You're creating a dam to the blessings of God. Will you text her and tell her to stop sending things? If you have areas that you have not submitted to God, you can choose 
to start believing the word. You can start believing God, start recognizing what's happening in the spiritual realm, and start taking proper actions to improve your situation through partnering with the Holy Spirit in your life. You're not defeated. You just got to change who you're yielding and who you're submitting to, who you're resisting. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10, it says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Whose might are we to be strong in? Yours? If I just, if I, if I, if I just, see, that's the thing of it is, is people get into spiritual warfare where, where they are trying to break a habitual sin in their life, a habit in their life, be it anger, lust, whatever, whatever, um, greed, whatever it might be. And they think, well, if I just discipline myself. No, that's self-will. You, there are spiritual things, and that's what we're going to learn about in, these, in this series. There's spiritual things that you do to operate in the, His might, to stand in His might, the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood and against principalities, but, principa but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Who are you fighting? Who are you fighting? You fighting your wife? You fighting your kids? The Word of God says your fight is not with people. You find your boss, your coworkers. See, there is a way, a proper way to fight. But it's not in the flesh. Our fight is against the kingdom of darkness. That, that is actually the spiritual forces behind people. There's spiritual forces behind people that are influencing them and their actions towards you. Me and Amanda, we've talked about this before. There's times when I, I'm just in a, in a mood. And there's nothing she can do that I'm not going to get snappy back at her. I'm being influenced to act that way. Now, we have to learn. And she can, it, it, same thing with her. There's been times when she just keeps on going at me and there's no stopping her. I don't, you don't understand. Man, I'm a pretty good guy. But there, there's influences. There are things that are happening. And what normally happens in those situations? Well, the other person is self-seeking. The other one is, gets angry, gets mad, and filled with strife. And you just go back and forth in the flesh. But if we could be wise and see these situations and just spend a little time Praying, taking authority, praying in the Spirit. Our warfare is not against flesh and blood. See, it's foolishness. It's foolishness to fight this battle in the natural. Our battle is against the spiritual influences of this physical world. See? We got to learn these things. We have to renew our minds to these things because 
there's, there's a reason why most Christian marriages don't look any different than non-believers. It's because we fight the same way they fight. We, 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 we create the same atmospheres in our home that they create. You understand this? That there are, there's a spiritual world all around us. See, the devil uses wiles. You know that? And you're asking yourself, what is a wile? I'm glad you asked. A wile is devious or cunning stratagems employed in manipulating or persuading someone to do what one wants. So Satan is, has devious, cunning stratagems that he's employing to manipulate you and persuade you to do what he wants. Sounds like the conversations that go in your head all the time, don't it? This is something that can, do you realize this is something that can happen to anyone at any time if they yield to him? They're demonized. There's a question for you. Are you demonized? Everybody's perking up now. When you talk about the negative spiritual influences in the world, many people start getting caught up in terminology. They want to know if a person possessed or are they oppressed or are they depressed or are depressed. These questions are irrelevant. When the New Testament calls a person demon-possessed, the Greek word there literally means demonized. That's all it means. There is, there, they are under the influence, therefore control of the devil. And there's, there's different, there's different uh, degrees of that. Wording like possession or being possessed or oppressed or depressed is not based on Scripture, but is man-made terminology. So based on the Bible's definition, the truth is that everyone has been demonized. Everyone at one time or another in their life have been demonized through the wiles of the devil. The devious or cunning stratagems that he employs in manipulating or persuading you to think, say, or do what he wants. See, you can be born again and still have that influence in your life. Some people have certain areas of their lives where they are habitually demonized. Where they are yielding to the kingdom of darkness rather than the kingdom of God. The truth is, 
people around the world in the business systems, in education systems, in government systems, in media systems, in the art and entertainment systems, in our family systems, and even in religious systems are being influenced, controlled, and used to whatever degree by the devil. Satan uses people. Do you understand that? Satan uses people, and we need to see the spiritual influences behind situations and realize that we have the authority to change those situations without getting in conflict in the natural. Satan even tried to get to Jesus through people, even his closest friends. You remember, you remember Peter? He submitted to God. He, had a, he submitted to God and was influenced by God. And a divine revelation above all the other disciples came from Peter. In Matthew chapter 16, verse 13, it says, When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, that I the Son of Man, am? So they said, Some Say John the Baptist, some Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. See, there was this, there was a belief system back then of reincarnation. And other, others Jeremiah, one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Verse 16, Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. He was spiritually influenced. See, Peter was influenced by God to speak the revelation of who Jesus was. See, we can be influenced by God. We can be influenced by God to influence the world. See, Jesus said that it was not flesh and blood that revealed this revelation of Jesus' true identity, but it was God that revealed it. But, right after this, right after this mountain peak experience, Peter, where Peter was, used, Peter was used again to be a voice of influence. But this time, the influence came from another source. After the revelation from heaven was revealed that Jesus was Christ, the Son of God, Jesus began to talk to his disciples, show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem, he must suffer many things by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes, and be killed and be raised again on the third day. So Satan used this opportunity to use the very one Jesus said was hearing from God to deliver his own message. Because when Peter heard the words of Jesus about having to suffer, die, and rise on the third day, he started hearing with his carnal ears and yielded to the things of man rather than to the things of God. In verse 22, and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord, this, is not, this shall not happen to you. But he turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are an offense to me, for you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of man. Amen. 
So you can see that you can be influenced by the Spirit of God and later be influenced by the Spirit of darkness. But Jesus knew the voice of his Father. Jesus knew the will of his Father. He knew his mission and his purpose in the earth and what he must suffer and what he must do. And when an influence contrary to that voice and that will came, he did not attack the physical vessel, but instead he attacked the influencing spiritual force behind it by using his authority and speaking to it. And once again, that old devil fleed from the presence of the Lord. You know, I'm not, I'm not saying that every time someone comes up to you and says something that you know isn't God's will for your life and that you're not to yield to, that you call, tell them, get behind me, Satan. But sometimes, sometimes, do you know what I really think it is? And we, we know this from Scripture. Jesus was a man. And, and he had great anguish for what he had to do for humanity. He sweated great drops of blood. That means that his, his vessels in his forehead burst because of the anguish. You know, it says in Hebrews that we have not resisted against sin unto blood. You know who has resisted against the pressure to not yield to the will of the Father? Unto blood, Jesus. That pressure was so great that it caused him to sweat blood. And we have a hard time not going to McDonald's when God's saying, you know what, you need a salad today. But he, he was, but this was intense. And, and I think the reason why Jesus was so direct, get behind me, Satan, is because it was doing exactly what Satan was trying to get it to do. And there's times in our life that, you know, someone can say something, and you can walk away and say, yeah, the devil is a liar. See, that's what I usually say. Someone says something negative in my life or against faith, or I say, yeah, the devil is a liar. So if you ever hear me say, if you say something to me and I say, the devil is a liar, you know what I'm saying to you, get behind me, Satan. So, so there's a little secret for you. But, but I'm using my spiritual authority, my word, saying I reject what is being said right here. See, we can learn from this example. We can learn that people can be influenced by the Spirit of God. And, and, I, and, I, and I truly believe that, that even People that aren't born again yet can be influenced by God. Right? I, I believe there's kings and leaders and stuff that we wouldn't consider, consider Christian, but God can influence them if they yield to it. But we can also see that people can be demonized by the kingdom of darkness, be under the influence of the kingdom of darkness, and that's just not people that are not born again, but even people that are born again can be manipulated, controlled by spiritual forces of wickedness. And just because someone has 
revealed revelation to you does not mean that you take everything that they say as thus says the Lord. I see this happen all the time. You don't even take a pastor, your pastor's every word as thus says the Lord. I'm serious. See, in 1 John chapter 2, verse 27, it says, But the anointing which you have received from him abides in you, and you do not need that anyone teach you. But as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things, and it, it is true and is not a lie, and just as it has taught you, you will abide in him. What is he saying there? Is he saying that we don't need teachers? He's saying that it's not, he's not saying we don't need teachers, but he's saying, but you, sh you need to be depending on the teacher that lives in you to teach you and lead you and guide you into truth. You're responsible. I know we don't, wanna, we, we don't live in a world anymore where people are responsible, but you are responsible. You are responsible in what you hear and how you hear. You are responsible for you. You need to hear what the kingdom of heaven is saying to you. When others speak into your life, when others speak, speak in your life, it should be a confirmation to what God is already speaking within you. And, and, there, and there, there can be times when, when you're refusing to hear what God is trying to say to you, and someone will come up to you and say, I feel the Lord needs, it wants, wants you to hear this. And it might be new to you, but, and if it's new to you, what you need to do is you need to spend time with the Lord, the teacher, the Holy Spirit within you, and find out if it is from him, and it is for you, and how you are to apply it if it is to your life. Another thing we can learn from this is when you know God's voice and his plan for you, you can resist to yielding to contrary spiritual influences. See, when people don't know their Bible, when people don't know the voice of the Father, when they don't know God's will for their life and where they're going in their life, they can be easily manipulated and controlled by contrary spiritual forces. But when you know, when you know the voice of the Father. See, there was a time when I didn't know the voice of the Father. I thought the voice of the Father was legalism. You know, there, there was a time when I thought the voice of the Father was fear. You know, we talked about all the pentagrams and witchcraft and all Harry Potter. It's fear. You need to be afraid. But when I realized that the voice of my Father is Jesus, the lover of my soul and the defeater of my foe, And that I have not been given a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. When those other influences, when people try to condemn me, when they try to put me under the law, when they, when, when they, when they say things that, that are striking fear in my life, I can say, 
The devil is a liar. See, there will be times when the devil will speak to you by people. Many times those people are totally unaware that they are being used. Peter was unaware. He thought he was actually being, he had, his motives were pure. He thought he was helping Jesus out. So, see, your, your warfare is not against flesh and blood. It's behind the influencing, influence, influencing spirits behind people. See, we do not war against flesh and blood, but the spiritual influences that are contrary to the kingdom of God. Alicia and the worship team, can you come up here? This was the eye-opening part of the series. Because so many people are totally unaware of what is happening on a daily basis in their life. They think that their boss is against them. They think that their kids are against them. They think their wife is against them. They think all, you know, everything in the world is against them. And they don't realize that people are just being manipulated and controlled by spiritual forces. And this is a dangerous thing because truthfully, if you learn, if you learn how to control atmospheres, if you, <laughs> you could manipulate and control people and that's not what God intended at all. But you, when you come into a place and you bring a stronger presence of the kingdom of God, a stronger presence of the fruit of the Spirit. And you don't shrink back when that kingdom of darkness presents itself, but you come in, the righteous, righteous are as bold as a lion. And you say, whatever's happening on the outside is not going to affect what's in the, on the inside of me. When you go home, and you see the atmosphere that you go home into your home and you realize that it's spiritual forces that are trying to rob, trying to kill, trying to destroy your families. You can take authority over those spirits. In those habitual sins that the devil, devil has, you, has you believe in that you are a slave. No, you're just presenting yourself as a slave. He's convinced you that you are powerless. No. You're Adrian. You're more than a conqueror. But you've got you to really have a come to Jesus moment where you start asking yourself the hard question. Why do I love this sin? Where, what, what is it about this sin that I'm not trusting God to meet that need in my life. I'm not trusting God to fulfill me, bring fulfillment, bring joy, bring happiness in my life, in this area. And just start submitting to God. Realize, I mean, doesn't, doesn't that just create a, a huge picture in your head that when, when, when that sin comes, when temptation comes, when that sin comes, you actually show your, see in your head, you 
kneeling and submitting yourself to the devil. Or you can turn around. What's that called? Repentance. And submit to Jesus. Let's worship. You've been listening to a message from Karis New Testament Church. For more information or to contact us, go to www.karisntc.org. And remember, you are deeply loved, highly favored, and destined to reign in Christ Jesus.